welcome to this uh, episode of uh, the Non-Fungible Podcast. Um, this is Bendy, aka Slam, uh, as you know me from uh, Twitter and uh, Telegram. Um, today we have Phil with us from uh, Obius, and uh, Phil and I have been talking in the background for, for a while now. Um, we uh, met at a Constellation event, uh, we've kept in touch ever since, and have been chatting uh, here and there on all things Web2 and Web3, and uh, that got us the idea to essentially record this podcast session because I think there's a lot of uh, overlap and a lot of things we have in common between um, Alchemy and uh, Obius. And so uh, today's theme is about Web2 and or Web3. Um, what are the synergies? Where's, where are we headed uh, for this space? So welcome, Phil. <laughs> yeah, thanks for having me. It's wonderful to have you here. Um, so maybe we start with, uh, you know, most people are familiar with Alchemy and Obius, I assume, but maybe for those that are new to uh, this series or maybe just discovering um, all things Constellation and Hypergraph and Web3, uh, maybe we do a quick intro um, to, uh, to yourself and uh, I can quickly cover Alchemy. Sure. So yeah, my name is Phil. I'm the CEO of Obius. And with Obius, we're trying to achieve uh, DLT-based ERP software where ERP stands for Enterprise Resource Planning. So basically, every company has transactions in their company, every company has to produce documents, and we with Obius cover these documents and, let's say, keep track of the whole workflow of the company. And yeah, in general, we are building on the hypergraph, Constellation hypergraph, with zero fees. And so it's a full, let's say, Web3 project. But of course, uh, coming from the Web2 space and the use case is also established in the Web2 already. And I think so is Alchemy. Yes, absolutely. I think that's, that's what got us talking. Because when you think of Alchemy, um, you know, as most people on here will know, we're building the first decentralized advertising exchange. That in itself is an industry that exists. It's alive and well. Um, you know, it's it's a six hundred billion dollar a year industry that we're trying to break into. Um, obviously, there are some issues with the current tech um, that uh, we might get into today. Um, and so, as you said, you know, much like uh, ERP is very much something that exists. It's uh, it's a question of how we might be able to use Web three technology not to rip out and replace everything there is, but more improve on the existing Web2 solutions. What would you say is, what, what got you this idea on how did you start Obius and how did you get this idea on, okay, I understand Web3 enough to see what the use case could be and how this could improve an existing solution like ERP software? Yeah, so I'm a learned software developer and back in the days I worked as an SAP consultant, ERP consultant, and yeah, I saw many problems with this, um, with this existing market of ERP software. For example, I consulted a company and they had a, uh, they are selling merchandising. And back in the days, it was Black Friday, and you can imagine that on Black Friday there is a huge spike in the demand of these T-shirts, for example. And yeah, the server was not capable of, let's say, pro proceeding all the transactions that happened there on this day and so the server broke down and transactions in the queue were lost and of course this was a huge money loss uh, we told the community hey please reorder but you can imagine only a small percentage did this and yeah then um, I thought about okay hmm, it's a bit tricky to have this all at your local server or maybe at a cloud uh, server which is basically the computer of somebody else and yeah then I thought about okay 
with cryptocurrency, we could combine, let's say, the Web2 resources that you have in your company. So, for example, every company, and it doesn't matter if you are Web2 or Web3, has, for example, human resources. Or every company has invoices they have to write. This is nothing new. But on the same side, uh, when, you come, when you are a Web3 company, you also have these digital assets, these digital resources in general. So maybe you have an own native token for your ecosystem. You have an NFT collection. Maybe you are also offering some kind of service like Alchemy do. And yeah, this is um, really tricky because in the current ERP market and system, you as a Web3 company cannot combine the traditional resource that you have to keep track of mm -hmm. and the Web3 resources, the digital resources um, in one software. And so basically we are, let's say, improving the Web3 Web ERP uh, and also adding additional modules like for Web3 in, in this regard. And I think, um, yeah, this is the best symbiosis and especially for startups and Web3 companies, which we are targeting. Yeah, it's brilliant. I think it's a fantastic example of a of a use case where you take a Web two solution that already works, but has its issues and flaws, and you know try to try to bring that into into Web three, so to say. Um, what would you say? So basically, you you saw things you could improve uh, using Web three technology on a Web two solution. Are there things that now that you're in the weeds, so to speak, you're deep in the project, building it out and so on, what are the things that you see on the Web3 side that Web2 still does better? <laughs> so maybe it would be cool if we first clarify what is Web2 and Web3, maybe for you, maybe from my understanding, sure. because sometimes people are not or they are familiar with the term, but sometimes they don't really get what this means. So from my perspective, when we start with Web1, it was basically read-only web pages online. So mm -hmm. something like Wikipedia, for example, where you as a consumer just read the information that you get. And when we got to Web2, it was the shift from like a, a, or being a consumer and like only uh, reading things and consume. But then with Web2, we came to the, let's say, account part and everybody had an account. For example, you're creating your Google account at Google and your Facebook account at Facebook. And this account is basically tied to one web page, for example, maybe to multiple when you are using multiple products from the same company. And when we got the shift to Web3, it's basically an identity and an account that travels with you around the different pages. So it's basically your bank account at the same time as your identity. And uh, for example, if you are having a MetaMask wallet or Stargazer wallet, you have this, let's say, account at the page of um, whatever, Uniswap, for example, but you can also go to SushiSwap and have the same account and the same identity, basically. And uh, this is my understanding from like an identity that is some kind of tied to you, but also, let's say, travels around with you. Is this also your understanding? Yes, and I think you touch on an important point when you talk about identity and, uh, you know, with identity comes data, right? This is There's a lot of data that's floating around that we all put online, um, you know, sometimes voluntarily, sometimes we didn't really mean to, or we didn't realize where that data would go once we had shared it. And I think that's one of the big things that comes with Web3 is it gives us as users back a lot of the control about uh, our data. Um, and I think that's at the same time, that's a good thing, but it also means a lot of responsibility and a lot of things that we need to 
probably learn again, so to speak, <laughs> because there's this responsibility that we own our own data, we are responsible for where it goes and what we do with it. And I think that's something that Web2 had managed to make very easy. It was very easy to be lured into, well, just give up your data, you know, we'll deal with it. You know, you create an account, just tell us who you are. <laughs> we'll save the data for you. You know, you don't have to worry about it. If you forget your password, don't worry, just hit a button and reset it. It's all stored in our database. So you can get access every time you want to and so on. So I think that was one of the things that, or that still is one of the things that Web2 uh, does a lot better. It's the interaction with it is a lot more seamless and more integrated in our, into our daily life than a lot of the Web3 applications that we start to see. You mentioned MetaMask, uh, that, that's a good example. You know, it's fairly easy to set up an account, but if you then want to go and use it somewhere, you know, if you actually, okay, well now I have an account, what do I do with it? How do I actually purchase any cryptocurrency or how do I use this as a login for a site and so on? It very quickly becomes very technical. And uh, I, I've seen this, I've coached quite a few people um, on learning what blockchain is, what cryptocurrencies are, how to get started and so on. And there is a big barrier to not to entry because it's fairly easy to get started and, you know, set things up and then just be part of that part of that ecosystem, but then to actually keep going by yourself, that's where I see a lot of people basically just give up because they just feel it was it's a lot easier just to, you know, use an existing account because they just make it easy. And uh, I think that's one of the big challenges for Web3 is to to make that a lot more accessible and the interactions with it um, a lot easier. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And this is also one thing that comes to my mind. For example, when it comes to creating new wallets, like you mentioned. Mm -hmm. So it's really easy, to be honest, to create a new wallet. And it's not as easy, <laughs> from my experiences, to just open another bank account, for example. And you can easily create one wallet a day for just a, a new use case, some kind of new mm -hmm. bank account to just manage different expenses, for example. But on the same hand, it's not as easy as that to, for example, open new wallets. Wallets, uh, new bank accounts at other banks, for example. So you don't have typical 10 uh, yeah, bank accounts in real life. Yeah. And uh, yeah, this is a great thing because I think the, let's say, education on this side uh, mm -hmm. is also, uh, it lacks of education. And this is not only because we have less people that are educating people, but also because um, it's, um, like you mentioned, very technical um, in the end. And sometimes people are not willing to put in the effort to learn all about this. So what is a ledger uh, mm -hmm. or some kind of, what is the, let's say, um, underlying blockchain that keeps track yeah. of all the transaction. And um, sometimes <laughs> when I also coach some people on uh, how to get into cryptocurrency as well, and then they worked with cryptocurrency like half a year and when I then um, tell them that everything they do is basically let's say transparent uh, in mm -hmm. some way that you can just track every transaction that the wallet did they are very shocked and mm -hmm. I'm like man this is the whole point of this what we are doing and uh, yeah sometimes they maybe then even use it but they don't really understand what is going on there and what's the real purposes of this and uh, yeah this is um, kind of crazy to me but um, yeah the, the people have to put in the effort and if you go on, on YouTube and you get a video of like um, what is Bitcoin explained in 20 minutes then some people are not willing to put this effort into learning what uh, cryptocurrency and Bitcoin actually is and let's say go 
on from there because mm -hmm. sometimes they might even understand, okay, yeah, this is Bitcoin, some kind of digital currency. But then when it comes to other networks, new chains, then you have side chains and uh, state channels with constellation and smart contracts and then they're, they're out. And um, I understand that this is currently some kind of, uh, let's say, nerd um, topic mm -hmm. uh, to the most people and of course there are huge businesses and um, it's beyond uh, these let's say technical geeks uh, like yeah. we were back in the days but um, it's still pretty hard to educate the normal people and um, I think it's comparable to the shift from for example um, Facebook so some uh, at, at some point um, only let's say younger people used Facebook but now mm -hmm. at this point uh, like all the other uh, persons also got into Facebook and yeah my, my mother is on Facebook you know and, so and, <laughs> and, to, be, to be fair I think that's probably the way it should be right because that that's the whole point of technology um, and you know, let's take a very famous example in in web 2 you know Uber um, wouldn't exist if it wasn't for mobile phones geolocalization and internet technology right ask people how it actually works like how does internet work like very few people will be able to go into the nuts and bolts and all the details and this is how it works this is the protocols that are used and so on because quite simply people don't need to right they have this application layer on top and they only simply interact with it and that's the only thing they need to know they make it work for their benefit and that's that's one of the examples that we saw with uh Uh, when when internet um, started becoming very useful and was applied to existing industries like you know taxis in, in Uber's case, it was the same thing. You get into a car, you go from A to B, and you pay at the end. It was just a much more integrated, seamless experience. Very no no, no running around, waiting for a cab to show up. You just booked it, and that was it. And so where I think we're at a similar stage for Web 3 where more and more people who are willing to dive into it and willing to learn and willing to understand the underlying technology are then able to translate that into, okay, well, that actually is very interesting because it helps solve a huge issue that we see in the current market and then go and apply that. But that is with, like with any technology, any period of evolution that we went through, that is probably a fairly small percentage of people that are willing to make that effort. And then it's our job, so to speak, to make that a very seamless and integrated experience for the rest of the population, because I think that's when we see the real adoption take place, when you don't really know if the app you're using on your phone, if it's a Web 2 or a Web 3 app, it just works. Right? <laughs> I think once we get to that stage, that's when the floodgates will open, because it doesn't really matter. And we see that with uh, Alchemy as well, right? Ad exchanges exist. And they're very standardized, like the protocols that are used, the way data is transferred from A to B and so on, is already very standardized. There are certain data types that the industry has agreed on. Also, and interestingly, almost as a reaction against the big two, which are Google and Facebook, the smaller, um, you know, the smaller publishers and the smaller uh, players in the market decided, well, we have to do something to stand in a way, united against those two, because otherwise they will just kill everybody and take on the, the entire <laughs> market. And so there are certain standards in which way in which a data is exchanged already. And that in itself is almost like a very early example of decentralized effort to make things work across different players. 
And that is something that we can now build on to say, well, these standards already exist. We're not changing that standard. We're still exact, exact, accepting the data in the same format for bid requests and bid responses and so on for the auctions for ads. But we're now applying a Web3 layer to it, where, as you said, the data is a lot more transparent, right? We're giving access to a lot more of the details that Google and Facebook today just keep to themselves because they use that to optimize their algorithms and become even more performing and basically just get a lot more budget in. We use that to give our clients that data back so they can optimize themselves. At the same time, when we speak to publishers and advertisers, in most cases, we don't even have to mention or explain in detail how that works kind of under the hood, um, because most industry players at the moment, everybody has heard of blockchain, everybody has heard of crypto, but depending on the where the market sits, and right now, you know, everything is in the red and everybody is scared and it's a bear market and all that, we don't even have to go a lot into the, this is blockchain, it's new, it's shiny, it's great. <laughs> we just explain the problems that it helps solve. And that is that is what makes people think, okay, well, I really don't care how it works under the hood, but if these guys can resolve issue one, two, three, if I pay mm. less fees, but I get better data, that's a no-brainer, let's test it, right? And I think that is one of these examples where we see the applied technology it kind of blurs the lines and you don't have to wear a, you know, I'm a Web3 guy badge. It's just, I have a solution for a problem that exists because at the end of the day, that's all that businesses care about. Mm. Yeah, I totally understand. And I think it's like you mentioned, we are not changing any it's a existing standards but we are taking them and let's say uh, yeah add additional information to this uh, new metadata and like you said better data actually and this mm -hmm. is also one aspect we are trying to solve with obvious because we are also not creating a new standard like everybody in the industry must shift to the standard but we are taking the existing standards um, for example how documents are structured when you're creating an invoice and just adding new data on top and just yeah basically validating them on the hypergraph and um, yeah making this very uh, transparent and eliminate the fraud that mm -hmm. maybe is, currently is in the market and yeah, um, yeah like you well, said it's a great we started on fraud yeah <laughs> <laughs> exactly <laughs> and i think this is a great um a great entry point for everybody and like you mentioned um there are some companies out there that are using blockchain as some kind of buzzword and mm -hmm. i also experienced this um, for example when i tried to explain obvious to the local government here and it was basically when you when you use let's say blockchain then it divides the masses in some mm -hmm. some way because uh, some people are like okay he's using this as some kind of buzzword or some people i don't understand this and it's too fancy for them and it's basically okay i never even heard of blockchain then i come mm -hmm. with hypergraph and state channels and stuff like this and their brain is totally no <laughs> and uh, well, yeah heard of, it, heard of it but only the bad you know only the bad things yeah exactly only it's used for um illegal things and uh, yeah. what, whatever money yeah, yeah. so um this is uh, like you said it's great um with the uh, with the angle that you just say okay yeah you don't have to know how this works uh, really in depth but you can uh, be sure that we are solving this and that problem and um, yeah it, it actually works and the people see this and there are some people that validate this on a let's say more technical level i think this is also why you do some kind of for example um, smart contract auditing or 
then mm -hmm. later on maybe state channel auditing when this becomes a thing and uh, yeah I, I think this is a great way to let's say onboard new people that maybe never even heard of and mm -hmm. I also think that this is great for um, OBS and Alchemy because in the long run we are also going to let's say um, onboard companies that never even heard of crypto and yeah, yeah. Um, are not familiar with them but they don't have to Exactly. I think that's where that's where the space is so fascinating, because when you're as deep into the technology as as you and, uh, and, and we are, you know, you, you understand, you kind of see you see all the dots kind of connect in the background, then you can basically go to that and use that in your discussions with potential clients to the degree necessary. Right. We have some uh, clients that are very interested in it. They want to kind of push the envelope. You know, they want to be associated with Web3 and innovation and make things better and so on. That's great because that's a great discussion to have. At the same time, we have other clients who literally just, you know, the, the pitch is essentially take your cable, unplug from Google edX and plug it in here. It works the same way. You know, you don't have to change anything you're doing. All of a sudden you pay a lot lower fees and you get better data, right? Like what's not to like? And I think that's one of those things where uh, you can really easily um, adapt your um, your point of view essentially not your point of view but your your position how you position the technology and that's something that we we all have to get used to i think it's we see a lot of discussion on on twitter and in telegram and discord and so on where you have these hardcore believers like web3 is the future and it's going to you know wash away everything and just be the new the new reality and no it isn't you know <laughs> it's yes it's definitely coming and it's very early days um i was reading a study the other day from a Boston consulting group um, who did a great study on like what does the future hold for crypto exchanges and it's a long document so no need to read everything but there's one graph in there um, that um, I really liked and it compared the evolution of internet technology to the evolution of blockchain technology and uh, they kind of overlaid the two graphs in terms of where we are and in terms of internet years, blockchain is roughly in 1998 at the moment, right? So, <laughs> and that is that is like where companies like PayPal and Google were founded. So, you realize, you know, it's pretty early days. If you now see like where Google and PayPal and these companies are today, you understand like the potential that sits within that sector. Like, if we play our cards right, we can be real the really early adopters of that technology, and you know, obviously benefit from that in the years to come. Yeah, totally. And when you were speaking of exchanges, I also think that the current market is like um, not really focusing on, let's say, enterprises right now, um, because we see so many projects, um, thousands of coins, but they are basically the most are, let's say, meme coins, the most mm -hmm. are NFT collections of a drawing of whatever, um, 10,000 NFTs per collection, and then you sell them, and then basically one year later, they are worthless. And uh, yeah, so currently we haven't, uh, of course, reached the full potential of Web3, um, and also with like the exchanges. There are so many exchanges out there. When you, for example, go to CoinMarketCap mm -hmm. and scroll down the list, there are so many. <laughs> But I would say that only the top five are really liquid when it comes to yeah. let's say providing liquidity and i wouldn't go with any other exchange to be honest on a daily base um sometimes there are some gems that are only available at certain exchanges of course but um when it comes to let's say real trading of currency um i can only let's say use the top five i would say because um beside from this everything is so illiquid um yeah and it's basically 
um, everyone is trying to push their brand and it's, it's mm -hmm. like, yeah, we are such a great exchange. But um, basically, most of the current companies that you see is basically just just show and hype um, and nothing really behind this. And um, I hope that we see a shift from there because we all know these great projects with, with utility um, that we see on a daily base, maybe on Twitter timeline and stuff. But this sometimes gets, let's say, buried under the uh, noise of meme coins and NFT yeah. collections. And yeah, you know, and um, yeah, so I hope this will be a great shift in, in the future, of course. Yeah, I think we, we saw this with, uh, you know, when when Ethereum came around and uh, had these two great innovations, one smart contracts and secondly, the ERC-20 standard where all of a sudden anybody and their cousin could create a cryptocurrency like within five <laughs> minutes and launch. You know, I think that's still, we've all seen this when you go back to the charts, <laughs> you see these hype cycles where all of a sudden, you know, everybody gets into hype mode and you see this uh, bull market take uh, take flight and every coin is a great coin because there's a white paper and everybody believes in it and you know it just explodes and then it goes right back to zero um, and i think that's still a reputation that the market suffers from to a certain degree because those are the stories that then are told in the you know in the media because it's it's so much more fun um so to say to, to tell a story about somebody, you know, oh, they, they got in and then, you know, see, we told you it's dangerous. Mm. And I think that's, that's where the traditional markets, if you want to call it that, have to play an important role. And that's why I like, um, you know, exchanges and companies like, like Uphold, for example, where they are regulated, they play the game properly, they try to integrate traditional safety mechanisms and so on. And you can go and basically buy with your, with your debit card, right? That is that is ease of use to me. That is something that's easily uh, for for people to uh, that's easy for people to um, adopt and just go and actually take that and say, well, I'm interested. Here's an easy way. I don't have to create an account as a browser extend extension somewhere, and then I have to find a way somehow to get some of my euros or dollars or pounds into a cryptocurrency. But I actually want to buy the other one. But so I have to trade my euros into whatever usdt and then have to trade the usdt into the actual project like you will lose people after 20 seconds because that's way too much effort um, and way too scary because you know when you start transferring money between your wallets um, there is depending on the amount you know it's a bit of well there's no safety net you know like either <laughs> i get the address right or it's gone <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. it's not like you can call customer service at metamask and go like oh well sorry i have a question about this transaction like your responsibility, go for it, you know? So um, I think that's where these more, call them hybrid companies, you know, these companies mm -hmm. that try to, yes, use the innovative technology, but they try to play it right and they try to fit in more or less with the traditional markets to say, this is not a big, scary thing. It's just a new technology. You know, there are certain safety mechanisms in place. And I mean, regulation is a bit of a hot topic and, you know, everything happening with the SEC in the US is probably worth a full episode by itself. <laughs> yeah. but, uh, in, in general, you know, it's I, personally, I'm not one to call like, oh, regulation is bad and it's going to kill the market and they just want to control everything. It's needed for proper adoption of the technology because businesses in particular and even just regular people will not use something when there's not a certain degree of safety and validation associated with it, I think. 
Yeah, and I think these are some other parties that come into play. For example, we currently spoke about like companies like Obius and Alchemy. And then we have, let's say, the normal retail people that are, let's say, trying to get into this or maybe they will be trying. And um, then you mentioned also the, let's say, media um, and the different news outlets in some way. And um, like you mentioned, the story of someone who maybe loses 5 million in Dogecoin or maybe makes 5 million in Dogecoin is always more funny than a, a cryptocurrency project that is designed for payments and mm -hmm. this did, a, let's say, 2x or 3x and then that's it. Uh, but like this is the real adoption that is happening, but uh, nobody really cares about this because yeah, it's only... 100% gains or it's only 3x or whatever and uh, yeah then the, the other party is like the regulatory side um, also the SEC in America is I think very famous for this and of course with the ongoing case with XRP and if this mm -hmm. is a security and stuff but yeah um, like you mentioned the regulatory clarity is really needed And there are some players um, that are only waiting for this regulatory clarity because if you are not, if you cannot be sure if the coin you want to buy is basically illegal in some way in the US, yeah. for example, then there is no good way for you to handle the situation besides just waiting for clarity. And yeah, this is um, a great thing. What do you think are the most important um, regulatory things that should be happen? in order to, uh, let's say, create the playing field for mass adoption? I think it's, you know, they're called cryptocurrencies. And I think that's that's a big decision to be made based on or per project almost or per currency. Like, how does it classify, right? Because governments are not going to go away. Um, businesses are not going to change things just because a new technology comes around. And one example I often think of is, you know, Brave Browser. Like, I like it a lot, I use it and so on, but it's it's niche within a niche within a niche, right? Because you're you're using something that is innovative and that works and you pay people in cryptocurrency, um, you know, if they watch some ads and so on. That's great. The idea is great. But you're literally telling people you have to change the way you do things. You have to install Brave. You have to use Brave rather than using Safari or Chrome or whatever you're used to. And that is that is a big, big hurdle for most. And so I think for... For regulation itself, it's the clear, a clear definition of which projects or currencies fall into which category because there are different, like with any business, there are different scenarios, right? There are, de there are definitely projects where the cryptocurrency is a security or is it a commodity or is it you know, a utility token? And that is, that is really based on what the project is about and what the technology is trying to achieve. And so I think... A clear framework around these are the guidelines go and check yourself against that list and it's almost like a decision tree right if you do this you're more likely in this category or that category hmm. and just having that it, it sounds so easy but just getting to that level of clarity seems to be incredibly difficult um, not going to go into the kind of political discussion around this <laughs> of, you know why that is and you know is it the the traditional markets against the new markets and so on But I think that that would be the, the biggest, it's yeah probably the, the lowest hanging fruit, but the biggest hurdle at the moment, it seems, to have a clear definition as to what is a token, what different types of tokens are there. And here's a list or here's a checklist on how you can kind of evaluate yourself against that list to determine in which category 
you should uh, consider yourself in. And then there's a certain list of rules and guidelines for each of these categories. So as a business, you know that you're operating in a safe space because you can always point back to these guidelines and say, well, the guidelines say we should be doing A, B, C. Here's proof that we're actually doing that. So we're within that regulation. And that is especially for companies like Obius, like Alchemy, like we're trying to work with, you know, it's a B2B solution. So we're trying to work with existing businesses. A lot of these businesses will only work with us if there is proof and validation and confirmation that, yes, this is a validated business. It's completely legal and compliant to work with these companies. And so that's that for me is the, yeah, the, the foundation of everything. Yeah. And I think also when it comes to the regulation uh, side, it's very important to have this clarity. Yeah, because um, otherwise, or maybe you don't even do business in, for example, America, but um, it's always better to have this kind of regulatory clarity, uh, even if the, for example, local government here in Germany, for example, isn't uh, so far and um, yeah, hasn't really got into what cryptocurrency really is but yeah i think this is a huge advantage and currently uh, there's no real let's say way to for example avoid for example getting sued for something you do with cryptocurrency mm -hmm. the only thing you can do is like picking smaller details out of um, let's say existing uh, lawsuits and mm -hmm. uh, see some some judgments on this and then just try to be better than the competition to not get into focus of yeah the sec or whatever um yeah. but i think this is not how it should work well but that's, that's exhausting <laughs> right because you're spending more time trying to understand what's the latest move of this or that regulatory body in whichever country you're in that's exhausting it doesn't provide like a safe space for innovation to to flourish right and so that's that's something we should get to where Innovation, when you innovate, when you do things, you know, you move fast and you break stuff, as they always say. <laughs> yes, you need some kind of framework, you know, by all means, just, you know, let's let's throw stuff at the wall and see what sticks. You know, let's a lot of things that we try will not work and we just learn and move on. That's okay. But we have to make sure that whatever room and whatever scenario we operate in, there is a certain yeah, framework and guidelines around that to make sure that we it's a safe space to go and try. You know, it's like having a safe a safe lab where you can go and you can experiment and you know that whatever happens, okay, it's fine. Not everything might work out, but at least you're allowed to try things because that's where the magic happens, where you you push the envelope and you try to find new ways of doing things, improve existing things and you know help with the issues that the market is facing today. That's only possible if you don't have to spend 80% of your time trying to keep up with some random decisions based <laughs> by some random court based on something <laughs> you don't understand. Exactly. And um, if there would be some kind of, let's say, hard definition, for example, when the company holds more than 10% of the token, then it's some kind of centralized and it's basically some kind of equity of the company or so, then it would at least be clear. Some mm, yeah. uh, Maybe it's not my opinion or it, it shouldn't be this way, but at least we would have some kind of clarity. But for example, when we get some statements from the SEC, like when only one one holder holds your token as some kind of uh, or with profit in mind then it's automatically some kind of equity cool. yeah then you can basically just interpret everything into this and say yeah okay at every project there is somebody that is only holding this for profit who knows um you might even don't know this guy but yeah maybe it is and uh, yeah so in the end you cannot really uh, control this and it's basically a statement that can be applied for 
every situation and uh, you can just um, make everything with this out of this and i think this is not fair um for yeah. all the uh, different companies that are willing to go under this process and are willing to let's mm -hmm. say uh, register their product and register their uh, utility token and um yeah at the same time these let's say regulatory persons just try to avoid the discussion because i think then also it would come out that back in the days they did some uh, things that are not very logical and uh, yeah so it might get embarrassing for these let's say old traditional um departments but uh, yeah who who knows that would never happened this <laughs> all above board don't worry <laughs> yeah but yeah who who knows when this will take place um but of course i think with a growing industry in the cryptocurrency market um and other companies that are adopting on this the pressure gets higher on creating this because yeah back in the days when there are like two companies that want this regulatory clarity it's it's okay you can avoid and ignore this basically and maybe drag for example the case with the sec and yeah. ripple uh, endless but um yeah when there are new players uh, maybe we see some kind of for example google um with i think they partnered with coinbase recently um so i, I think there are more and more clarity involved in this and um yeah hopefully we will get this soon and hopefully it will be very uh yeah freedom oriented orientated yeah. <laughs> so yeah, yeah you know and i think that's where you know going back to our initial topic i think that's where education is so important and so it's an it's a unique opportunity for us to basically be part of something before it gets to mass adoption and i think that's why it's even more important that we help educate people on this because it is a once in a lifetime opportunity for for most of us to be part of this and uh, hopefully improve our you know our futures so to speak because it's yeah it's just something that once the regulatory issues are squared away and legal guidelines and so on are in place the adoption that we'll see of the technology is just going to be massive i think Yeah. And also speaking from the accredited investor side, I recently read an article about that they want to, let's say, extend this barrier to 10 million uh, minimum, oh. uh, I think. So it's like um, dividing for you, isn't it? Sorry, <laughs> that's inflation for you. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it's it's basically uh, I, I don't know. I don't like the step, to be honest, because it's also dividing the masses a bit more uh, into like the persons like you mentioned that are already made money uh, made huge money out of this mm -hmm. and uh, yeah have the exclusive opportunity to invest in new startups and whatever um, way before the the masses are and um, yeah i think this is the wrong way and i hope we can shift this um, as let's say the web3 community mm -hmm. and yeah come to a more fair and more um, decentralized um, solution where nobody can just dictate oh yeah it's now it's 10 million maybe tomorrow it's 50 million who knows um, but yeah then just let's say um, going away from the centralized thoughts and going to a more decentralized way of of course not, not yeah. only our um, let's say not everything can be let's say make made decentralized completely mm -hmm. uh, sometimes you need this kind of trust in some parties sometimes but uh, of course there is so much space for imp improvement and i think this will be done over the following years yeah and i think you, you mentioned something early on which is probably the the biggest takeaway and uh, maybe a way to to close this out for today you know you spoke of identity and the data that we hold and so on And I think that is that is the big
biggest difference we see, you know, there's lots of buzzwords with like centralized, decentralized, all that. I think this movement to go back to it's your data, you should own it, you should decide what you want to do with it or if you give access if you give somebody access to the data it's valuable so you should be in some way shape or form be rewarded for that i think that is the biggest shift uh, we're seeing and you know just using alchemy as an example again because it's kind of close to home um that is one of that is our initial promise right it's the the equation used to be you have three parties that are involved in advertising you have the publishers the advertisers and then you have the actual users you have the publishers that want to show an ad to a user. Ideally, it's by a brand that actually has a product that is interesting for that user. So everybody wins, right? The publisher makes some money. The advertiser gets access to a potential client and the potential client sees a product that they're potentially interested in. And that at some point in time, that just shifted to it's the publishers and advertisers and they're making money. The ad exchange are making money off the user's data because Today, there's no compensation whatsoever. We're being bombarded with advertisement. Go to Forbes.com, try to read any article. It's a nightmare. You know, you have to click like 17 times, different banners and so on, <laughs> most of which are completely irrelevant and unrelated to you. It's just that the publishers, the website have been put in a corner. Somebody was like, well, you have to finance yourself over for uh, with advertising. So they almost have no choice but to show more and more ads, just hoping that somebody will accidentally click and generate some revenue that way but that is a vicious circle because it's just going to make the experience so much worse for users over time it already is and so you have more and more people installing ad blockers which puts puts, uh, puts more pressure on publishers to actually show even more ads they're lower quality it's a bit random it's like these spam sites that just basically are just banner after banner after banner of some random thing just hoping you would click and that's a cycle that we we aim to break by saying, well, it's you know, it's your data. You can be part of the ecosystem. If you hold ads tokens, you can actually be rewarded because you're fueling the engine that allows the publishers and the advertisers to actually interact with each other, and you'll be rewarded for that in some way. And um, I'm sure that you know, at, at Obius, you're thinking of uh, various ways to have a similar approach where you say, as a user. You know, you should be rewarded in some way for the data that you're giving, um, the way you use the platform and so on. It's not just worth another piece of software. It's something that gives you back a bit more control. Exactly. And I think the last point to mention is what I always find so great about cryptocurrency and like Web3 in general, that you as a company are so close actually to the community. So back in the days, remember some, let's say, Web2 startups, you wouldn't come as close as you currently are with like telegram groups and following them on twitter yeah. and interacting with them and having q and a's about the technology and this is nothing that happens like in the let's say web 2 industry um mm -hmm. often that you have um let's say people from the board and they're yeah. speaking with the community and, uh, and, <laughs> exactly. and for, for example also with the um alchemy landing party you're currently doing um mm -hmm. it's also great to let's say um come unite the community and uh, yeah, meet up at some places and not only at um, let's say certain um, events from like external parties but also hosting these events yourself and mm -hmm. I think this is nothing you can find 
any anywhere uh, in the Web2 space. Um, and for example, Cyberlead doing game nights with the community. Mm -hmm. And yeah, this is just uh, incredible thinking about this could never happen in Web2. So I really love it. Be, it could be a nice tagline where we say, you know, in Web3 users make the product, they aren't the product, you know? Exactly, <laughs> so it's, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it's an interesting approach. Um, maybe to, to close this out for today, because we're, you know, 47 minutes in, um, what what do you think uh, over, let's say, the next two to five years, like where do you see the Web3 space going? Like what's your top, whatever, top two, top three predictions of what's going to happen with Web3 and what we'll see change over that time? So when we speak about five years, then I would 100% say that we get some kind of clarity um, and some kind of framework that you mentioned. Maybe it's not fully developed by then, but... Hopefully, we will have some kind of clarity what specifically uh, specifically is some kind of equity and security of a company and which is not. Uh, so this would be top one, the, the best mm -hmm. uh, case, of course, mm -hmm. and also some kind of, let's say, um, shift from these... Uh, yeah, this cult of meme coins and spamming with bots on Twitter and Telegram and um, yeah, having this industry so spammy and full of yeah, low quality uh, services and stuff like this. Um, like currently, when we started doing AMAs with OBS, I think um, every day I get like over 15 DMs from. Yeah, more uh, bots and people that try to convince me to, let's say, go to them for an AMA for like 1K yeah. or whatever. Um, and it's so, let's say, um, yeah, so spammy and low quality. And I hope we will see a shift from there to, let's say, more projects that are doing quality work yeah. uh, over there, like Alchemy and OBS and other great projects from the hypergraph space and beyond, of course. And I think there is so much opportunity to improve the current Web2 markets. And I think we will see this win. I agree that the bots are very annoying. Like I like those that start with, hey, I'm not a scammer or anything. I'm <laughs> interested in that link. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I I'm think I, I got like two or three of them currently on my phone, but yeah. I'm deleting everything. Don't even yeah. try. Yeah, um, I think on, on my end, I would say, you know, that the biggest shift I hope to see is, you know, we've seen various cycles now over the last, uh, even just the last couple of years uh, with DeFi and NFTs and so on. And I hope that we're really getting close to a utility-driven market. Um, and that's something that I very strongly believe in, that you have to show that it's more than just a sexy presentation and you know you have a cryptocurrency, so you're cool. You have to show it in action. You have to show that it actually works because especially in the space that we operate in, much like you, you, know, you have to bridge this. Um, you have one foot in each world, right? Web two, web three, like it's a very much an established business or industry that we're working with and then we have this innovative technology on the other side that we're trying to bring into that market so i think you we really have to get to a point where we can show that this new technology actually works it's applied and it works and it helps improve things once that's once that starts i think that's going to be the the big decision maker for anybody wanting to invest is like show me how it works show me does it that it, that it actually helps Uh, improve processes because that's the only way long term to drive value for a token and so i'm you know very very excited personally because we're very close to to launching um the alchemy um ad exchange um at least its first iteration where we you know we're currently onboarding publishers we're onboarding um advertisers and so just showing it in action i think is going to be a bit of a 
big aha moment, maybe for quite a few, even in the community, because so far it's always been like, you know, the hope that someday, yes, it'll work. But then even beyond that, you know, people will understand that there's some that can be done with it. You know, it's not just maybe one day it's actually here, it's live, it's happening. So yeah, I hope that, you know, we can, we can provide our own little building block in this <laughs> big Web3 market that we're all building um, to make sure that, uh, you know, current businesses understand the interest in, in getting involved, not necessarily becoming an expert themselves, you know, Again, I think the, the real use cases will come once you can use Web3 technology as easily as you can do Web2 today. Like you don't have to, if you want to pull back the curtain and understand a little bit how it works in the background, even better because chances are that as a business, you can actually benefit from that as well and use it to your advantage. But if you don't want to, if it's all you know fiat-based and just you're used to paying your whatever annual or monthly fee, in this or that way, just because you're using some kind of software, I think that's the level that we should get to with any new Web3 technology as well. It should be just seamless and people can pay for a service much like they pay for a service today. What you do with that then in the background and how that ties into this parallel economy of the crypto uh, currency, that's another thing to uh, to then you know figure out or for the project to ensure that it works smoothly. But uh, I think, yeah, hopefully utility is going to be the big term for, for the next few years to come. Exactly. I'm 100% sure this will happen. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. <laughs> Great. Well, Phil, it's been a pleasure having you on. Um, any final comments, remarks or questions you want to cover? I think we can agree that Web3 is the future <laughs> in, in some way and this, this, here, <laughs> this shift <laughs> doesn't happen overnight and I think we are very uh, in a very great position with both our, our companies and um, yeah, we have a great, let's say, head start um, and yeah, we are ahead of, of the time in some way, so in the future we will be seeing this benefit and um, yeah, I I think people should look into cryptocurrency more. My, my final statement. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> I agree. And uh, we're here to help them uh, understand how it works. So um, great. Well, wonderful. Thank you very much uh, for, for joining. Again, look forward to doing this again uh, in the near future. Sure. Uh, pleasure. And uh, yeah, have a fantastic week and we'll speak soon. Perfect, man. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.